I'm mm-hmm. so happy that I'm not like at the mercy of all these cleaners and guests, you know? So I'm, yeah, happy with, like you said, the time to take care of my nephew or, you know, exercise at 2 p.m., you know, and do things that bring me joy that I didn't even realize would bring me joy until now I have the flexibility to actually do them because we have this business. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from $2.25 to $5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study and promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. Well, what's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's going on, E? Mr. Shogren, great to see you, my brother. As always, I am sitting in the hotel room in Aston. I'm so glad that I have my boardroom jacket because it has literally been the only thing that's kept me warm. So you have sponsored all my winter jackets for this year. Without you, I would be freezing my ass off. So super grateful. I am here for my little brother's wedding tomorrow, which is technically uh, Tasha's brother, but I call him my little brother. And you know what's funny, man? On got here on Sunday just to help out. And I spend all day on Tuesday just in the car, driving around, helping them like get things, put into like wedding favor shit all together, stayed up until like 1130 at night. And I had a moment that I'm like, bro, this is a new definition of what like uh, financial freedom looks like to me, right? The fact that I get to do this for my little brother out of love and that you couldn't fucking pay me any amount of money to do this shit for anybody else, right? I'm out running errands. I'm like, you guys need what? Oh, stickers? I'll go get you guys stickers. And I'm there just like fucking running errands. And I'm like, I just feel, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. You know what I mean? It's just, it's interesting when you get to do what you, what you get to do for the people you love, which is stuff that you would normally not do in your day-to-day life. Because like, this shit is not, it's a waste of my time. So it was an interesting, very sweet kind of moment. And I'm super happy for him. And I love his wife. So it's just goodbye. And it solidifies that, you know, you didn't miss your calling to be a wedding planner. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how are you, man? Everything's I'm good, good man. I'm, I'm cold. I've got my, uh, got my board hey, jacket today too. There you go. 30 degrees in Boston. <laughs> We left sunny Florida. It was 80. I tried to convince Kristen to not go home, but uh, she made yeah, me go you home. You tried that every time. 
Yep. Usually I squeeze a couple of days out of it, but Caden had to go back to school. So it is uh, what it is. But it's cool. Back in Boston, went and checked in on the hotel today. Excited. Got to see some of the the rooms starting to come together. We're gonna put together a couple couple rooms just to see what it's gonna look like before we go order everything in bulk. And um it's cool, man. It's it's starting to take shape and it's nice to see. And um I think we're gonna have finally chosen name <laughs> after mm. after all this time. There you go. Thinking around so many ideas and hiring these companies to do all this stuff. We ended up going with the Cove at Salem, which if you guys that don't know, our other hotel is called the Cove at Rockport. They're both on coves on the ocean. So it worked and uh, that was it. It was kind of a safe bet, but it'll be totally different vibe and uh, super excited to see this one come together. So I'm excited to come to see it soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. fun. Our first, our next boardroom event will be at the hotel in June. So it's got to be done. So anyway. I'm super excited for our guests today. Got to hang out with them in Nashville and uh, just two awesome people. Like, and I'm not saying that to, to blow them up right now because they're here, but I truly, truly enjoyed hanging with them and just having some really good conversations. And, uh, you know, they're just, you can feel people out, you know, they, they have a certain energy to them, like if they're authentic or whatever. And these two are just freaking lights out, just awesome people. And so today we've got Tony and Sarah Robinson, the real estate Robinsons. Uh, they are a husband and wife duo turned business partners and have built a presence on social media as STR experts. I'd say it's more than presence. It's a fact as STR experts. And uh, they went from climbing the corporate ladder to now managing a multi-million dollar STR portfolio in the span of two years. And uh, we're super excited to have them on the show. So welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. <laughs> What's up, guys? Thank you guys man. so much. Mike, what a what yeah. an introduction, man. And I, I appreciate that. And, and before before we go any further, man, I just want to say me and Sarah, you know, we, we meet a lot of people in this space as yeah. well. And like the feelings that you just stated uh, about us is, is exactly how we felt about you, about Bill, about UE. And just like you, like you said, man, like there, there's a certain like genuine yeah. feeling you get when you connect with certain people and dude i'm just i'm glad we all felt the same way about each other yeah man. so cool literally we walked away and i was like i really like mike he's like so do i <laughs> yeah so they're really cool that's awesome that's awesome well i appreciate that so we could talk sit here and vibe all day and i would love yeah. it <laughs> selfishly but i'd i'd love to for you guys to share you know with the listeners kind of your origin story and, you know, I heard a little bit of, of your side of it, Sarah, at the, at the event, but I'd love to hear like, what got you guys into this industry from the get go? Yeah. It's yeah, man. Like, like most people, you know, I think we both wanted a life that wasn't average, you know, yeah. both of our dads were, were entrepreneurs kind of growing up for us. So I think we already were a little bit more accustomed to like non-traditional W2 type lifestyle. Sarah's right. dad and, and uh, her family were in the restaurant industry. Uh, my dad was mostly in the, the trucking and, and logistics industry. So just growing up, we saw that. And one of the things my dad always kind of pounded into me is like, look, dude, if you don't, if you don't want to get up and go to work every day, you need to own real estate. And he was like, you know, that, that, that kind of way that comes in every single month. And like, that's how you build passive income. That's how you build wealth. Yeah. So uh, we always knew that that's something that we wanted to do. And, and I think once we finally had the capital after college, uh, we bought that first long-term rental back in 2019. Got the first short-term rental in, in 2020, and we've just kind of snowballed ever since then, man. I love that. So did either of you have like corporate jobs, or did you just go balls to the wall with with real estate coming out of school? Yeah, no, I think starting off, girl, first of all, I had zero interest, knowledge, desire to get into real estate. Seriously, like your dad talked to you about real estate. My family was in the restaurant business, so I didn't really hear much about real estate, but if we back it up a little bit more, Tony and I have been together since we were 16 years old. We're now 32. So 
throughout our journey, you know, we've just kind of grown together. That's like my favorite part of our story. A lot of couples like grow apart, especially at that age. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he just kind of brought me into this new world that I never even imagined I'd have even remote interest in. So yeah, it wasn't until after college that I became interested, but I went to school actually for broadcast journalism. I want to do this. I want to be on TV and radio. <laughs> so yeah, I was working on TV shows on uh, iHeartRadio for the last uh, like it was seven years that I was there in the like event and marketing world. So that's why I'm really good on social at, and at events. You know, that's like right up my alley. Yeah. And then I, I worked in, um, in supply chain after college. Yeah. So um, the last company I was at was Tesla. I was there for almost four years and um, I was like a senior leader in their supply chain division. So you know, climb- girl, he was a big boss. Don't hype yourself up, girl. What kind of level were you? <laughs> I mean, my my title was like senior manager for North American services. North so. America. He was the boss of North America. I always like hype him up for it. I was like, that's not a dude. Deep. We all you need to carry had, in our life. You guys had like cool corporate jobs. Yeah, we did. I was yeah. Like an accountant jobs. in finance. You guys had like <laughs> yeah. cool shit going on. Yeah, I was just so analyzing he was making bank like running Tesla operations. I was in like the events world. So I got us tickets to every single concert was getting flown all over the country. She went to Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. She went to. It was, it was very cool. Yeah. Right. So it was cool. But at the, at the end of the day, man, it was still a job. A hundred percent. I was making shit at my cool job. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this channel. Oh, Sorry. Man, yeah. 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 We let him rip. We yeah. Let him rip. Yeah. yeah. So that that's why I was like, I need something more. I saw Tony really building his resume so quickly after college. Yeah. He's a smart guy. I would say he is smarter than me, but I was like, why is he killing it in life? Like, I know what I can do and I know how much, you know, I can do in life and what I, the person I am. So I was like, I love this really fun job, but I'm here and Tony's grown boom, boom, boom up 10 levels in the last two years. So that was my moment in my brain. I was like, I need to do something else. So I would love to ask a question here. So one, I love that you guys have been together since you're 16. Because mm-hmm. to me, it shows a love and a care in the evolution of each other as well. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of couples go wrong. Like a lot of couples have this thing, I'm going to work on me, you work on you, and then we'll figure right. it out. And that tends to not work out, right? Yeah. But I love what you said, Sarah, just now. And I wonder how, because I think a lot of people in your shoes will kind of be a little bit, fuck Tony, why is he doing so much better than me? Versus like, I love Tony, I respect him so much. Yeah. What was your mindset like and how did you guys kind of have this conversation about like, you know what, let's do this real estate thing? So I don't know. I think I never internalized my feelings for not being at Tony's level as like jealousy or anger. You know, I just was more inspired. I think, you know, seeing my life partner who we're the same age, same school, we both went to college, we both got degrees. And I just used it as motivation to fuel me versus, you know, handicap me and say, you know, whoa, me, like, why am I not growing as fast as my spouse? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think that is just a decision I made in my brain to not take it in a negative way and instead let it rocket fuel me to be inspired and level up to, to the level he was you know, going in life. And, and I think a lot of it too is that we, we talked often about like the kind of life that we wanted with each yeah. other, you know, and the kind of life that we wanted to build for each we other. Had a, yeah. We had and have a very clear vision of what we see for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We always mm-hmm. have, you know? Yeah. So I think that vision, that shared vision has been like a big part of us being able to yeah. like navigate this uh, the right way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I love that because I think I, I see it with so many couples, right? And and for some reason, that's one of the things that I attract is, is people that need help as a couple. Me and Tasha work together. I'm very blessed to have, to have Tasha work with me. And she's kind of similar to Tony Sarah, right? She's way smarter than I am. Yeah, I get to be fun and chat and shit. And then like, I get to do that. But I feel a lot of couples have this hard time in the, in the, in the roles and what to do and how to do it. And also like having the courage of like, let's do this together. Together, right? yeah. Yeah. So what was the first real estate deal like for you guys? And do yeah, you guys we'll... feel sick to your stomach right after? Like I do after every real estate deal or, or what was that me. like? Tony never does. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> the first few deals that, that we closed on, like Sarah wasn't involved at all. It was um, for long-term rentals. Yeah, these were long-term oh, okay. rentals. So we started, I bought that first long-term rental October, 2019. And I, we live in California. That property was in Louisiana. So it's like a long distance burr that we did. And um, dude, like I was, it was, it was exciting for me, you know, because it was like, man, here, here's proof of concept that I can actually buy a piece of real estate and get income from it. But my, my goal, even before I bought that first single family house, my goal was to be able to replace my income. And, you know, at, at the time I had like a pretty healthy six figure income at, at Tesla and I knew that buying a bunch of single family homes was going to take too long to do that. So my initial goal when I got into real estate investing was I wanted to be a, an apartment syndicator. I wanted to, to buy apartment complexes because I saw that was a bigger way to scale more quickly and hopefully replace my income. Yeah. But I had no experience and people aren't going to give you money just because you're a nice guy, right? You got to have some kind of track record. So my initial goal was, okay, let's get a few of these single family houses done, kind of build my network, build my relationships, and then hopefully syndicate from there. So that's what we did. I think we bought four single family houses in Louisiana, um, which obviously isn't a ton, um, but I met a lot of people during that time and, and we tried to syndicate. And dude, I, I spent like $20,000 on a, on a mentorship program in the syndication space. Oh, wait, you're missing a lot of really juicy parts here. So when he started investing in long-term rentals, this was when I was like, I have zero interest. He was forcing in, me in to- In houses in Louisiana? Podcast. I can't see that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, in Shreveport, Louisiana. I was like, Weird. yeah, yeah, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, baby. Yeah, this exactly. is the house of your dreams. We can yeah. retire there one day. Yeah, no, exactly. I and I was like, okay. And then he would be like, oh, we made a hundred dollars this month, and I'm like, awesome. <laughs> so not very exciting. I still didn't really care. And then he told me about the apartment syndication. He's like, okay, I'm gonna buy apartments. I was like, girl, how the hell are you gonna buy apartments? <laughs> I just was like, there's no way, you know. And then you decided to shift to short-term rentals. Yeah, because, oh, wait, hold on. No, about the program. And then he was like, I'm going to go to a real estate conference. So he went to a real estate conference, comes back after three days or so. He's like, don't get mad, but um, I joined the coaching program. And you got to text like, me after because I had the same. You can ask Kristen. Same. Bro, same you, can ask, you can ask Tasha. Same She's story. like, what did you do? I was like, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I, did it. I did it for us, baby. You don't understand. I did it yeah. for us. Yeah. So he was like, I was like, okay, how much? He's like, $20,000. <laughs> I was like, $20,000. So that was my real like introduction. Like for me, I was like, okay, he's not joking around. He means business. Like to invest $20,000, like this is a real deal. He's not going to drop it. I really need to perk my ears up and really pay attention to what he's he's telling me he's really interested in. Yeah. And the, the timing was just bad for that, that syndication <laughs> switch because it was COVID. So we joined yeah. that coaching program in February of 2020. COVID hits like four weeks later. And dude, trying to get started as a first-time syndicator in March of 2020 was so hard because all the deals were drying up and the deals that were there, they weren't going to give them to someone that was their first time. So 
we pretty much were like spinning our wheels from February up until August, so about six months. And in August, we had a friend who bought their first short-term rental in Tennessee. And he said, hey, I know you guys have been thinking about this apartment syndication thing, but look at the numbers on this cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And, you know, we had some capital. We were like, well, you know, fuck it, let's do it. So we bought that first cabin, crushed it, man. And that was kind of the, the, the launching pad for us. And then when he told me that we're going to do a short-term rental, I was like, what is that? And he told me it was an Airbnb. And I was like, that's when my eyes lit up. I was like, mm -hmm. I know what Airbnbs are. I love customer service, giving people an experience. I love designing. I love decorating. So, I yeah. Mean, what really got her hooked was... Yeah, the money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, when we took that first listing live, like, those notifications coming in. And we had mm -hmm. made, you know, I think, like, the first time that we took it live, like, within the first, like, 24 hours, you'd already made, like like $12,000 or something crazy. That's a really like good that. story too. Can we tell that story? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we took it live, right? Our very first one, I was like, okay, like I'll be hopeful. It was our bachelor, bachelorette weekend. We went to Vegas that same weekend. We took it live. So Friday, we get to Vegas. We took it live on Airbnb. We kissed each other. We're like, we're not going to talk to each other the rest of the weekend until we meet up for a pool party on Sunday. And we're like, okay, cool. So from Friday, Saturday, and then until we saw each other Sunday, we're each individually getting all these notifications. Ching, 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 ching. This was our first time ever having a listing on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. By the time we got together, like wasted at a pool party in Vegas at our bachelor party that Sunday, we had generated like $20,000 $20, worth of bookings. Mm. So you're like, like, baby, we made it. We made it. Like, <laughs> let's ball out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you guys spent $20,000 in Vegas? Exactly. Ah, right. uh, there you go. Perfect. So that was number one. And I can still see kind of like, in my mind, I'm kind of seeing seeing the roles now, right? So I'm kind of seeing where Tony is going to be and where Sarah is going to be. But walk me through kind of like, what are your roles now as the business it's, has kind of like grown and evolved a little bit? Yeah. So when we, when we first started, so it's me, Sarah, we have a third partner who Sarah's, uh, who's Sarah's cousin. And, um, you know, I was always kind of like the acquisitions analysis software guy. Sarah was always like the guest experience kind of operations. And then our third partner, he did all like the, he was a guy like setting up the utilities or he was like calling the plumbers and the, you know, electricians when things broke. So we all kind of found our own, our own rhythm, but we've scaled, you know, we've got like 30 properties now. So we have really me and Sarah, like personally in the business as of today, probably spend like a couple hours a week, maybe we have an ops manager, we have uh, you know, a team of VAs that handle some other things as well. So our time involvement really is like, you know, I have a call with our, our ops team once a week, that's an hour and a half. Um, our cleaning staff is once a week, and then um, our revenue managers once a week as well. Um, so that's the majority of our time. Yeah, but early on, I think we naturally found our groove based on what we were interested in, what our skills were, like, I, to this day, don't know how to analyze a deal. And I don't think I ever will try to understand because I, for what? This guy's a genius. He'll do it for me, you know? But and uh, I don't design. Like, I, I could never. He, to design. this day, has no clue what like 10 of our houses look like because he has not set foot inside of them. Yeah, I still get him to com confuse, <laughs> yeah. you know? But that's my point is like, we know our lanes and really trust and give each other autonomy to like really kill it in our own areas. I love I'm that. Curious, the, I love that you guys found your own lane. I would love to say that that happened smoothly for us. It absolutely did not. So I'm <laughs> curious for you, what ended up working for us is like she, Kristen gets like final say on certain things. I get final say on certain things. Like, and again, I'm more of the numbers operations guy. She's more of the design, making sure that everything looks good. Property side of the house for you guys. Are there certain things that you have butted heads on? And I'm asking this just because I think a lot of, a lot of couples get into this together because it's a, 
it's a big decision, right? It's a lot of money yeah. that people put into these things. And they're usually one spouse is more gung ho than the other. And the other one's like kind of pump the brakes while the other one's like, let's go. <laughs> right. So how has that dynamic worked? And were there certain things that you butted heads on that you've resolved and how did you resolve it? Absolutely. Why are you huffing? Do you not? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's just reliving some of the trauma. Yeah. Like, that, so, was or, not, that was not easy all the time. Tony yeah. comes from, you know, operations. Like I said, he was running North America Tesla, you know, I didn't ever have that experience. So coming on and now managing, you know, our cleaners, um, like we scaled so quickly that all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm now managing 15 properties, you know, 10 team members in a blink of an eye, it felt like, like in a year's span. And I struggled with, you know, Airbnb, like short-term rentals is a reviews game, you know? So the reviews really have an impact on the success of our business. So I would like really stress whenever a guest was unhappy or there was an issue. And that's my world, you know, guest relations that that was totally me to own. Tony very rarely has ever even looked at the messaging. So I... <laughs> So there was a lot of times early on when there would be, you know, a, a really big issue that came up and I didn't feel equipped enough to figure out how to resolve it. And mm. because I know like that, that's his world, that's where he came from, you know, operations, you know, for big businesses like that, I would go to him and you were a little catty with me. <laughs> He hates that I say that, but he was, he was a little snappy with me. And he looked at me one day and he was like, babe, what, just do whatever you think. Like, I'm trusting you. Like, this is your thing. You figure it out. Like, I trust you completely to do it. And you deny that you say that, but you did, girl. I remember. The, the, the delivery was definitely a little different than what she just said. But yeah, she, she had a tendency to come to with these smaller things that, you know. Smaller to you. Right. But it was big to me. That's I, why I was coming at you. I know, but she she had a tendency to come to her with these issues that will pop up. And you know, I'm 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 busy focused on like acquisitions, the next deal, like some of the bigger business issues. And I told her, like, babe, I trust you. Like yeah. I I believe in you. And if you make a mistake, I will probably make the same mistake. Like we're all gonna learn from this, we're all gonna grow together. So yeah. I think there was that dynamic there of really, you know giving her the grace to make the wrong decision if it, right. if it went that way. You know? And after that, never asked him ever again. I make all the calls. <laughs> and then another scenario I can think of is, like you said, there's always like one person that's kind of like, you know, go, go, go. That's definitely Tony between the two of us. And I have to kind of constantly remind him like, mm, can we bring it down just a notch? Um, he would tell me like, oh, by the way, we're closing on four tiny homes next week and then three more next Tuesday. And I'm like, what? Like we are moving way too fast and I'm the person that he's passing the baton to for mm -hmm. operations and setting up. I'm like, I can't move at that pace that you're moving, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to constantly ask him like, I need a breather. We need to hire people. Like we can't do it at this fast pace that you're, you know, putting offers and acquiring these deals. That's such a relatable conversation. And I think it's so important for people to understand, one, that it doesn't matter what level you're at, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's one of the blessings and the curse of working with your spouse, yeah. in my yeah. opinion, right? Because I wouldn't change the world working with Tasha, but also at the same time, we run into the same issues. And I'm pretty sure Mike and Kristen do, do the exact same thing, right? And so it's really understanding how do you communicate with your partner while remembering that like you are business partners, but you're life partners. And ultimately, you both want the best things for each other, even though in that moment, you're like, 
fucking handle it. Like, yeah, <laughs> just do it. Like, just do it. Like, do you understand how much you don't even know how much I don't my play because I don't, I don't share with you. Yeah. And this to me feels like bullshit. But to the other person is like, this is like, I've been thinking about this for hours. Like, it's not, I didn't just like, I don't know if I hear Tony. Like, no, I spend yeah. time thinking about it and it just feels like a lot and I don't know what to do. And so it's very difficult. And that's why I was saying, like, I don't know if the fact that you guys have been uh, together for so long probably also helps because there is such a strong foundation of a, like love and friendship, mm-hmm. right? That it just, but like, that's, I'm writing this, I have to officiate this wedding. And obviously, my request was like, can I just kind of flow? Mm-hmm. And, and the bride is like, absolutely fucking not. You cannot <laughs> just flow through my wedding. Like, you have to give me your speed. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to put in there is exactly this. Is the fact that, like, just remember why always and not have those moments that you, like, let yourself get wrapped up in what is going on. And then you create a story about your other partner. Right. Yeah. Because it would have been very easy for you. And this is a, a thing that I acknowledge you on Sarah that I've seen throughout the team of this interview kind of is that you don't you don't create meaning you're like yeah like Tony is doing better I love and support him how can I level up yeah Tony's telling me that this shit is small instead of being like this asshole doesn't care about my side of the business you're like okay fair enough I'm gonna handle it from now on yeah that's true I'm I'm, I'm done right (laughs) yeah yeah no and it's important right and I think it's for the couples listening just try to channel a little bit more of this and have kindness for the other partner. Yeah. Because it's going to make you go a long way because the other way, you're just going to spiral and you're just going to spiral farther and farther away from each other. Mm-hmm. And then you're both going to be in you, like what's hurting you. And then you just hurt people, hurt people. And then mm-hmm. it's just not a successful business and definitely a very shitty marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that we're always done a really good job of just like communicating and, and being yeah. transparent and having to mm-hmm. That need to be had, like even outside of business, just like us as partners in life. You yeah, know? yeah, I love that. So, what does your day to day look like now? So, we have this one or two meetings a, a week or three meetings a week. I think you said. Where do you spend oh. your time on? Yeah, man, I feel like it's all, it's all over the place, right? Yeah, so, it is. <laughs> content is obviously a big thing for us. So, um, in addition to our our YouTube channel, the Real Estate Robinsons, I co-host the, the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie Podcast and. That's pretty much my whole day every Tuesday. You know, yeah. we're recording content for that. We have our YouTube channel, our short form stuff. So like a lot of our time, honestly, goes just like this content, content machine that yeah. we've kind of built out. Um, and obviously actually running the real estate business itself. And then we're, we're trying to scale up into commercial properties as well. So, you know, a lot of our time has been dedicated to our, our most recent commercial transaction. You know, we have a 15-year-old son who needs to be chauffeured around still to basketball <laughs> practice and school. One more and- year. One more, yeah, one more, <laughs> one more year of it. Um, so, do, I mean, it's you know, we're, we're we're trying to balance all these different initiatives and and things we're we're working on to not drive ourselves too crazy. Yeah, yeah. But since we beefed up our operations, um, I've def- definitely been less involved in the day to day of the business, which I'm mm. so grateful for. Like, I didn't think I'd see like a light at the end of the tunnel. I was glued to my phone always, you know, like I'll never forget. It was like a year after that Vegas story. I went to Vegas again for my sister's bachelorette and we had an argument because she was so annoyed that I was on my phone all the time. And I was like, I promise I'm trying to be present, but I'm managing 15, pro- like this is my job now, you know, and she didn't understand that. And I'm mm-hmm. so happy that I'm not like at the mercy of all these cleaners and guests, you know, so I'm, yeah, happy with 
like you said, the time to take care of my nephew or, you know, exercise at 2 p.m., you know, and do things that bring me joy that I didn't even realize would bring me joy until now I have the flexibility to actually do them because we have this business. There is give and take there too, though, right? Like as we've kind of put these other uh, team members in place, we've noticed a a slippage in our review scores, you know? Mm -hmm. And like I was just telling my revenue managers yesterday, they kind of dropped the ball because, you know, spring's a busy season for us. And, you know, market's at like 35% occupancy over the next 60 days. And we have one property that's at 80%. And I told them, like, guys, if we're at 80% and the market's at 30, we're pricing too low. And when you look at that same property year over year, we're down. And, you know, so there's, there's like, you know, um, growing pains, growing pains yeah. that we have to go through, but we have to have that question or ask that question to ourselves is either we go through these growing pains and try and train these people up and lead them, or we just have to continue to do everything ourselves, which isn't, isn't sustainable. It's not even sustainable. It's not what we want. I don't want that. That's not, I didn't leave my job that I wasn't happy in to now build myself a even more full-time job, you know? So mm-hmm. that's something I quickly realized about myself. I was so happy to leave that job and start this world of real estate and then quickly found myself being so much less present in my, you know, outside of work life because I was so consumed by this real estate life, you know, and I, I want to really start plugging in the pieces to, to give me more of that freedom back. I want to just point out two things real quick, because I thought it was interesting. Like you guys were there, like I gave a keynote on hotels, but then at the end of that, I'm like, before you even think of that, you need to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think a lot of people are like, this is not a passive business. You can't make this passive, blah, 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 blah. Like what I said was you weren't paying attention because if you build it right and you focus on building a team and training your team and creating systems, mm-hmm. you guys said it. it's a couple hours a week. It's a few meetings a week. Yeah. But those meetings need to be intentional to focus on the right things. And literally right before I was driving over here, Kristen was upset because one of the people on her team was designing a bunch of stuff for this hotel. And when I went there, one of the walls was supposed to be painted half with an accent wall to kind of divide the room, but they didn't give the right measurements. Now we need to repaint a bunch of rooms. And she's like, I just feel like sometimes when I delegate stuff, I should just do it myself. I'm like, dude, this is literally the talk that every small business owner has when they delegate. It's not you. It's not them. It's the process. Like one of our core values is correct the process, not the person. So what procedures, what levers, what training do I need to give my team to address this issue? Because there will always be problems in business. Yeah, That's why we stay in business. So it's like, how do you address them and keep a level head? Because if you stress over all the little things that go wrong, I would be, I'm losing it, but I would be bald. Like I would be like so stressed all the time. And you just have to learn that like, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. But how do I dial it in? And that's, I think that's the hardest thing for STR operators and small business owners is to finally let go of that control and then put some pieces in place to have quality control and to have checkpoints with the team and to identify things of like, in their head, they're like, yes, we're 80% booked. But then when you help them take that step back, you're like, dude, that's not good because we should only be here now. We're too right. Right. And it's just a training thing. Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm so glad. No, dude, I, I I couldn't agree with that more, man. And you know, and that's I, so reassuring to hear, honestly. You know, from other business owners, is like, oh my god, it feels like 
all hell breaks loose sometimes in our world, in our business. You know, I'm like, oh my God, like this week has been rough for us, girl. In our business, like a key player in our business just told us that they want to put their two weeks in, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, like finding another person to replace them and train them and do all this. It's just like a nightmare, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But like you said, we're in, this is the business, you know, this is our business and it's part of the game. Yeah. The thing that is funny to me is just, it's all the same shit. Meaning <laughs> we go through this stuff where a team member quit, but if you work for somebody else, that looks just a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. And there is pain in everything, right? There's the pain of being in shape and there's the pain of being out of shape. Mm -hmm. So like the thing is like, if you try to avoid it, you're not avoiding it. You're just kind of kicking it down the field a little bit. Yeah. Like it doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. And then there is the one thing that is the one thing that you know you should be doing, which is those weekly meetings. And then there's all the rest of the shit that you do instead that you shouldn't be doing. And it's funny to say that you are, you come from the restaurant business because to me, the restaurant business is one of those businesses. People are like, it's an awful business, never get into it. But then when I look at restaurant operators, the ones that own successful restaurants, they keep opening restaurants, <laughs> so, right? And they make millions of dollars. Yeah. And that's the clearest example of the restaurant is that shitty business when you have a family run restaurant with yeah. mom in the front and mm -hmm. dad in the back cooking. And there all is. of it in the restaurants laying, and then you all hate it. And there is not a business, it's a job. You bought a job in a golden cage that you live in. Mm -hmm. Right. But the moment you're able to like get a chef that runs the kitchen, get a front of the house staff, and then you just come and make sure that the vibe is right and everything is running smoothly, and you just spend the nights just going between your restaurants and making sure everybody's doing good, all of a sudden you're like, shit, this thing makes money. Not that bad, yeah. right? Yeah. That's so and cool. so this is this is the thing about all of us. And as we grow, it just it, there is the next level growing pain. Mm -hmm. And then you need the roster to get longer. That's another thing on our, our boardroom call we we're talking about today. Somebody had a cleaner that cleaned 20 houses for her. All of a sudden being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into like panic, yeah. panic mode, right? And you just got to, that's your one job as a business owner is just, you know, See, I had and create the systems and just play that game. You just touch and base, touch and base, touch and base. And I'm saying that to myself just as much as I'm sharing it with you guys, because that it's one of my areas of struggles being a big dreamer. I like to dream. And then when shit gets uncomfortable, I go what I call ostrich modes. And I just put my head in the sand. I'm like, I'm sure up there it's getting better. And eventually right. I'll yeah. put my head back up and be like, shit, it's not better. And I just go back down. Instead, it's just like, just if you face it, when you feel it at the beginning, yeah, one of, everything gets easier. Yeah, one of one of the things I always try and like tell myself is like, okay, what's the what's the worst case scenario here, right? Like, if things just go in the absolute worst way possible, like what, what is can that happen, and can I live with that? You know, mm -hmm. and, and okay, it, it, what would I need to do if it did get that bad? Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you start there and then you walk it back, a lot of those like fears, concerns mm -hmm. are to like melt away a little bit. So yeah. just you know, advice for all those that are listening that struggle with that. Just always think what's the worst case scenario mm -hmm. try and action plan from there first. Yeah. And when you put it into perspective, I had that moment when I took, so I bought 18 apartments on uh, January, 2020 with an idea of being a short-term loan, refinance everything. So everything together, my note was six and a half million. Wow. With an idea of being out of there by the beginning of March, early April. Mm -hmm. So all the loans were getting refi and everything else. And then COVID happened. And then Governor DeSantis closed all of Florida, April and May. And I remember being May 1st, my mortgage was due May 15, $49,000. Oh, it was God. a couple of days before that loan due. And I had like $22,000. Mm -hmm. 
not $22,000 in my mortgage account, $22,000 in the business entirety, right? Mm -hmm. And I send an email to those people who are like, everybody's getting delayed forbearance. They're like, we're a private lender. We don't, we don't care about none of that. You can have a week. Wow. And I went through the exercise, what you said just now, right? I'm like, what's going to happen? We sell everything. We move back. I moved back to Italy. We moved back to Angola. And then you realize, I'm like, I don't die in any of these scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> My wife doesn't die in any of these scenarios. I'm not sick in any of these scenarios. I'm like, you know, what, if I had to go back to anywhere, Italy's not a bad place to. <laughs> that's what that's what I mean, right? That's what I'm saying. And so, like, going through the exercise would be like, what is like really like allow your fear to like be seen and be like, what is the worst that's gonna happen? Yeah. Like, are you really gonna end up homeless? Mm-hmm. Not likely. You know what I mean? So like, and really letting yourself, and then you just, it's almost like the hot hair uh, balloon, all the air comes out and then it's not as scary anymore. Not as scary anymore. Yeah. Even for us, like as entrepreneurs, right? Like I I had a friend who said this to me once and, you know, he was talking with some other friends uh, about his venture into entrepreneurship. And yeah, they were, they were kind of like poking fun at him for, you know, wanting to to be a full-time real estate investor and like the risk and all this and that. And his response to them was, was so like such a witty response. He said, look, if my, if I go out here and I try and build this real estate business and say, I I fall and I fail and I I fall flat on my face, my worst case scenario is that I go out and I get a job and I live a life just like yours. And I was like, that is so true. That is so true, right? <laughs> and when you when you pull it back, it's like, yeah, even if we fail as real estate, even if our real estate empire comes crumbling down today, yeah, we know we're I mean we can go out and still make a healthy six-figure salary, right. build a nice little pension or retirement, and we'll be fine. So I, I think that worst case scenario always helps kind of keep me calm when, when things get rocky. Mm. So I wanna I wanna shift now because we want worst case yeah. scenario. Now I wanna I wanna talk like fun <laughs> shit. Like what's the goal yeah. now for you guys? So you guys got 30 properties going. And just a distinction, too, that we didn't really dive into. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but the way that you guys have built the portfolio, mm-hmm. and Tony, you and I were talking about this. I was like, I would have done it your way instead of doing yeah. it my way, but I had to flip it again. But you guys went out and you raised money and you got equity in these deals, right? right? A lot of people, they either, when they're starting out, if they don't have cash, they're doing co-hosting like I did, or they're doing arbitrage or some mix of the two to build up cash. And that's fine. It worked. Like it got us to a point where now we have cash to buy more deals. But mm-hmm. I think that is a cool distinction that you guys grew a portfolio that you have an equity piece in. Right. right? Yeah. And so that whole capital raising thing, mm-hmm. I went down that road. I told you in Nashville, I hired a multifamily coach, very well-known person, cost me a bunch of money. And at the time it kind of felt like a waste right? Because I never went down the multifamily syndication route. But now you fast forward a few years. If I didn't do all that education, I wouldn't understand how mm-hmm. to do all these hotel deals now. Mm-hmm. So it all just compounds. But and learning how to raise money is never a waste. Yeah. It's like learning how to market yourself. Like all these people that are like, we're not marketers. I'm like, that's what you mean. No marketers. <laughs> yeah. All marketers. Try, try to choose, try to make somebody go to a restaurant you want to go to. You're marketing. You're marketing your choice. You're marketing your decision. You're marketers all the time. Anyways, walk yeah. us through your your equity, what that looks like. What did you guys ask? Yeah, what's man. The, I mean, what's the goal going forward is what I really want to get to. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll just touch really quickly. So yeah, on, on our 30 properties right now, um, one of those is actually a co-host. The rest are like either we own them by ourselves. We have partners on them. The majority we have partners on. And typically the way that we structured those was um, we would find a deal, most of them off market or flips that we had done that we were kind of selling to the partnership. 
And typically we just kind of split everything right down the middle. Most of our deals are 50-50. So the partner brings all the capital, they carry the debt, they get 50% of the equity. We found the deal, we managed it, we set it up with all that stuff. We keep 50% of the deal. And um, it's been you know good for us, good for most of our partners where they're getting a pretty solid return. And um, I don't know if we'll continue to scale that way because we do want to kind of go into the bigger properties. But the, the long-term goal for us now is that by the end of 2032, um, I want a billion dollars worth of real estate. And the only way that we'll get there is by buying larger, bigger properties. So our, our goal is really to get aggressive on the commercial acquisition side. And I'm sure eventually it'll be outside of the hospitality space as well. Like getting to a billion just with hotels will probably be, uh, be hard. But yeah, that, that's the goal. A billion by the end of 2032. This guy, I'm telling you, he's a big dreamer. You called it. Ability. I love that. I love it. That's cool. So really quick, man, like I, I know I say that number and people look at me like I'm crazy, right? But like, so Brandon Turner, he's a mentor of mine and, you know, he, he's got his company Open Door Capital and over the last four years, they're at like almost $800 million in assets under management. And I asked him when I saw him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, when do you guys think you'll hit a billion? He's like, probably by the end of the year. So in mm-hmm. five years, he went from zero to a billion in assets under management. So mm-hmm. if I give myself double that time, it's like, I, I feel like it's, it's an actual. Yeah. It just sounds goal. like such a crazy number. You know, I think everyone's just like, oh yeah, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Billion sure, buddy. You know, but I believe in you. I believe in us. And yeah, I, I, I totally think, you know, especially having people like Brandon in our circle and in our lives that we see firsthand accomplishing something like that. Yeah. It makes it feel more attainable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it helps with like mentors. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. talking about that in Nashville. Like when you get around people where like, we were talking about some hotel stuff, right? I'm like, if I told Brandon, hey, we just took down a 57 unit hotel, he'd be like, cool, man. Like we just did 300 cute. last week and I got another 400 on a contract, right? Like that's, it's, that's it's cute, Mike. 57. Perception is reality. And I know people hear that, but I really want you to like let this process for a second. If you heard the word billion dollar portfolio, and you had some type of negative connotation or felt like that's unattainable, unattainable, it's probably because you don't know anybody in your circle that's doing it. These guys hang out with somebody that's pretty much there. So it, it feels, and it is attainable, right? Like the only limits that we have are the ones that we set. And again, it sounds like so cliche, but it is so true yeah. that, you know, you look at the whole Roger Bannister, you know, four minute mile thing, nobody had ever done it. They thought it was impossible. Then this dude does it once. And then within a year, like 30 other people do it because they started to realize it was possible. And then now you have the guy that runs the entire fucking marathon, keeping what kind of pace? Like a, he ran it like 206 or something. That's what I mean. (laughs) And you know, and you know, to me, what's funny is like, again, like you guys are very blessed to, to have somebody like Brandon in your circle, Mm -hmm. but we're also very blessed to be at a time in life that a mentor can be somebody that you listen to on a show, can be a book. And then it's a matter of like having this really real conversation with yourself of when you share your goals with people around you and you have that person that it's like, hi, buddy. Then it's a choice that you need to make, whatever. No, that person has a seat at your table or not. Mm-hmm. Because that is the most difficult part about breaking out of what has always been to create what you want to create is when you have the people that love you, that want to keep you small and safe because one, you make them feel more comfortable because yeah. then they don't have to change. And two, they just don't want to see you get hurt. But in this moment, especially at the beginning, it takes all the gas out. So you have to be very careful. And when you feel yourself get small after a conversation, one, you got to have your own ways, your own rituals, your own 
video, your own something where you go back to and you reread it, rewatch it. And you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then you have to be either mindful of the time you spend with that person, or you have to really like establish strong boundaries of like, I know it sounds crazy to you, but I'm telling you now the next time you tell me that my dreams are crazy and they actually get more realistic dreams, we're not, we're not going to be friends anymore. Totally. Yeah. yeah th those healthy boundaries, I think are so important to me. And I, I think luckily most of the people that I'm super close to in my life have come accustomed to me in like these, you know, super audacious dreams that they, you know. Yeah. Your family's used to it. I did struggle with that early on when we first started investing, you know, I left my job. Tony wasn't working. We're doing this full time during COVID. I'm Mexican and Persian. My Mexican side of the family was definitely giving me the side eye. They're big mm -hmm. gossipers. We're talking shit behind our back. I would hear. Mm -hmm. And it was just so incredibly hurtful that family was doubting us. Family thought that we weren't going to do it, that we were crazy for this dream. So mm -hmm. I, the last couple of years, have been so intentional with protecting my peace and my dreams because I don't need energy vampires like that in my life, even if they are family, to be sucking mm -hmm this Tony energy that I'm now feeling <laughs> out of me. Channeling. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Okay. So we could have, we could go on this for hours, but I yeah. think I want to, maybe... I want to pivot to what you guys yeah. have going on in like yeah. a week. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're what's going on? It's going to be like a week, right? Yeah. yeah, it'll, yeah, be, yeah. it'll be a week, man. So um, yeah, Sarah and I are hosting another uh, short-term rental conference. It's called the STR summit. And um, it'll be Austin. It'll be in Austin, Texas, April 10th through the 12th. And actually, for for your audience, guys, if they use the code uh, Secret, it's a $500 discount off the ticket. So they're $9.97 right now. So you guys will get them for $4.97. And yeah, we're we're just excited. We got honestly, like I think our best lineup of speakers. Yeah, I'm we've so had excited so about our speakers. Um, we've got uh, obviously me and Sarah will be speaking. Our friend Rob Built, um, he's going to be talking about glamping. TJ Chajani will be there to talk about rental arbitrage. Amy Majuri, who's like an expert in the space of raising private capital, will be there to talk about that. Our go-to lender will be there to talk about all the lending options. We've got Derek Acuff, who's based out of Texas, talking about finding off-market deals. And we've also got uh, like a celebrity. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was, uh, her name is Nancy Rodriguez. She was on a Netflix show called Love is Blind. And um, she's also a real estate investor. And uh, she Ooh. does income rentals. So she'll be there to talk about that. So really amazing lineup of speakers. And Sarah and I will be there to talk about deal analysis and uh, design yeah. and operations. So really our goal over that that two and a half days is to kind of give people each step of the the piece or each piece of the puzzle they need to really start managing the scale their own business. So we're, we're excited, guys. Yeah, dude, it, like I get more out of going to events than anything else. And it's one, it's for the content, but two, like we connected. You know what I mean? Like right. the connections that you make at the events, you never know who you're going to meet. And I've said this a million times, but your network is your cheat code. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like it is, it's like honestly an unfair advantage when people are like, well, how did you do this? I'm like, well, I called so-and-so. Right. Hey, how did you get into this thing? I'm like, oh, TJ staying at my house right now in Florida. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that inner circle is my cheat code. It's like, if I need certain things or if I'm working on certain things, I need to bounce something off somebody like that is my cheat code. And there were so many people in the room at these events that you may have never heard of. Maybe they have no social presence. I was talking to a woman last week in Nashville. She has like 300 and something units. 
I've wow. never heard of this person before and she's just crushing it and she's developing another 300 unit like high rise hotel right now. I'm like, dude, wow. you are a beast. <laughs> I, I've, who are you? Like, what, <laughs> show? like, are you serious? So, like, going to those events, man, I cannot reiterate enough the importance of doing that. And I'm an introverted guy. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but he can attest to it. He's known me a long time. Like I'm way more comfortable having a convo with Tony and Sarah in the corner than going out and mingling with a lot of people. Yeah. It is so important. And in, in my opinion, it is the fastest way to grow your business. Mm-hmm. Hands down, hands down. Cause the reading the books and the podcast and all this stuff is good. But when you get an environment of people and you're seeing other normal people doing the things that you want to do, it changes your perception of what's possible. Yeah. Oh, Mike, dude, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that, man. And look, the truth is, the four of us would not be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for an in-person event. So like I said, I, I'd initially said that I wanted to invest in in apartments, right? And it was at that apartment event that I went to. The $20,000 program <laughs> one. Yes. Where I met the guy that introduced <laughs> me to short-term rentals. It was at that event, you know, we just happened to spend the weekend together. And he's like, hey, Tony, come come buy the short-term rental with me. So yeah, dude, like the the ability to really build meaningful relationships, I think is is far above and beyond the price of admission for any event you go to, not even just talking about ours, but any event yeah. you go to, if it's a good event, like that's where you really get the best return on. Uh, or even for me, like you kind of said it, but I wasn't absorbing anything real estate with the podcast, with books. I, I just didn't care, but it wasn't until I went to an in-person conference. And like you said, met people that look like us, were our age doing this. I was like, holy shit. Like there's other Tonys in this world and I want to be one of them, you know, and surrounding yourself with people that are dreaming like you have ambitions like you is just, you know, you leave those kind of events just feeling so fueled um, that I've never felt that from like any like a con a concert or anything, you know, that feeling you get um, from a networking event like this is, is just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we end up kind of uh, paying for our friendships. Like part of masterminding for me, I am paying for my friends. Yeah. But I'm paying to have times. higher quality friends. Yeah. And again, me and Mike met through a mastermind and me and Mike met really clicked at like events. And then just like it's it's the thing that happens. And then like when you go to an event, just realize something that you that feeling that you have where you're like afraid of going out to talking to people and stuff like that. That's why we all share. There's not a right. single one of us that doesn't feel that way. That's why when I came to meet Sarah, I just walked up to her. I'm like, hey, Sarah, can I have a hug? (laughs) And it's just like, it's awkward. Like, it's awkward. But it's just like, it's a muscle. Like, the more you do it and the more you realize that you're just like, I walk up to events. I'm like, I'm so sorry to interrupt this conversation. I just know myself. I'm going to stand in the corner for the rest of the day if I don't don't jump in here. I mean, what's going on? You know? I would say grab a drink. That's what helps me. Like, get a freaking drink. Yes. I I was trying to keep it PG, Sarah. But yes, that's (laughs) a secret. Loosen up a little bit. You know? Yeah. You know? Well, honestly, guys, Mark, like that's what you guys did such a good job of at STR Wealth is like, you know, the, the big welcome party. Yeah, you get people to loosen up and they, you know, they're drinking a little bit. Like that's how they really can kind of let their guards down and build those relationships. So I think most good events should have some kind of networking element for yeah. that reason. 100%. 100%. So before we get into the last question, everybody go to strsummit.com and use code, is it secret or secrets? We'll make them both work, man. Okay. Either Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll no get it in there. Secret, secrets. Use that code. Save 500 bucks, guys. This will be the best $497 that you spend. I guarantee it. So just go make the time, make the investment in your business. These are one of the things 
that I consider strategic work, like working on your business is going to these types of events. It is mm -hmm. mandatory. You are the CEO of your business. You're the COO, whatever role you fit in, this is what you need to be focusing on to help continue to grow and elevate you out of the business. So go check it out. strsummit.com, use code secret, get your ticket for 497. Go hang out with these amazing people in Austin, Texas, along with some of my other favorite people in this business and uh, go learn a bunch. So the last question, guys, that we ask all of our guests, and we'll have you guys eat, answer individually. Okay. What is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Oh, that's a good question. Number one secret to success for short-term rentals. Um, something I think I can easily answer is trusting and um, letting go. So I really, really struggled with that. Like I said, I wanted to hold on to our entire 30 portfolio myself. I would have either lost my shit or we would have ended divorced, you know, but or both or both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> I really needed to learn how to trust and like delegate. And I think if you have trust issues and really, you know, want to um, be in control always, you won't be successful in this business without losing your shit or ending up divorced. <laughs> yeah. That's a great one, babe. Um, I, I think for me, it's, it's probably that that's a, that's a big one. But I think the biggest thing is continuous improvement. So that's, you know, me coming from like the operations background, like that's a big part. That was like a big part of my life uh, as a W2 yeah. employee. So naturally just kind of came with me. But the idea is that no business is perfect. And every business has an endlessly long list of issues and problems and constraints. And even as you solve one issue, other issues continue to arise. So if you can, as a, as a business, as an organization, be disciplined in identifying the most important issues and then constantly and consistently working towards um, improving or, or solving those issues, that's how you get better day over day, week over week, month over month, year over year. So for me, it's just continuous improvement and, and trying to get a little bit better every single day. So good. Love it. Well, and gentlemen, the real estate Robinsons, thank you for gracing us with your presence. Looking Thank forward you, to uh, talking to you guys soon. Again, guys, go to strsummit.com. Go check out their event. It's going to be phenomenal. And um, everybody have an amazing week. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for having hey, us, guys. Appreciate you. Ciao, guys. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.